Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. This is Red Sox Review, and it starts right now. Here's your host, Joe Weil. In the ninth, here's the pitch. Swinging a comebacker to Kluber. He's got it. He walks it halfway to first, flips underhand in time, and the Red Sox win it. 10 to 4. Christian Arroyo goes 5 for 5 with a homer. Duvall and Yoshida lift off. A great start from Crawford. The Red Sox have won six games in a row and they roll again in mini. Another another dominant win for the Red Sox. They beat up on the Minnesota Twins by a score of 10 to 4. The Red Sox have now won six consecutive games, and over that span, they have outscored their opponents 50-18. to That's the Rockies, Yankees, and now the Twins. The Red Sox now in the season 39-35, and and they continue to just play great baseball after what was the lull of the season, 21-14 and to start the year, 12-21 and after that, but they have righted the ship. The offense is back to doing what it did at the beginning of the year. They got some nice starting pitching from Cutter Crawford. The starters have been very good over their last 31 games. We'll tell you about those numbers and a little bit more as we get into the night. Joe Weil with you here on Red Sox Review. We got Brian Frizzoco, Joe Braverman on the other side of the glass. We're going to take you all the way up to midnight tonight to talk after this Red Sox 10-4 victory. We got a lot of news also on Tanner Houck about his face and what's ahead for him in terms of surgery. And on top of that, maybe how long he'll be out as well. And then also Pablo Reyes was scratched before tonight's game with right with a right abdominal strain. Now, we'll see long-term what that ends up uh, forcing upon the Red Sox in terms of their middle infield depth. But... Christian Arroyo, with that late scratch, gets the start for the Red Sox. He ends up going 5-for-5 tonight, his first-ever five-hit game. Huge reason why the Red Sox won tonight by a score of 10-4 to over the Minnesota Twins. If you want to chime into the conversation tonight, you can call us up at 617-779-7937. Again, 617-779-7937. You can also text us at 37937. But before we go any further, let's hear what Alex Cora had to say after another dominant victory for the Red Sox over the Twins. Just uh, keep the line moving. We're doing a good job with that, putting it at bats, um, you know. Obviously, Doovie with a big swing right there, kind of like give us some breathing room. Arroyo put a good at bat too, got on top of a fastball, hit out of the ballpark, and then after that, it was a quality of bat after quality of bat. You know, uh, you know we didn't give up, and um, you know it was going. Thinking about Cutter, you know, so much talk about it. It was good. Yeah. It was good. Um, you know, um, right now that's that's where we at with him. Five innings, around 85, and uh, his stuff was good. Um, he made some good pitches when he needed to. Um, the last I batted against Correa, you know, he went to the four-seamer and uh, he threw it where, where he's supposed to and, uh, and got him out. So, um, overall, a solid one. How, how much do you uh, enjoy seeing the way that he is? I know that you said you don't want him, like, setting guys up for subsequent at-bats, but when you do have five pitches that you can use in different situations. No, it's good. I mean, he can do that, but he can get in trouble, you know, trying to be too cute, you know. I think the stuff plays. And, uh, you know, I think the four, the, four, the first four pitches of the game were forcing a cutter, uh, curveball, and split, you know. And uh, it's kind of, kind of like going to the buffet, you know, and you got all this stuff, you know, and then, you know, uh, stuff happens, you know. So, uh, call it, sorry. And then, uh, 
you don't get too greedy because you got all the tools, you know, and uh, his four-seamer is a good one. I mean, it's elite, you know, the hop uh, is good, and he gets some swings and misses up there. So, you know, it's just a matter of uh, how to use it, you know, what you got that day, and then go from there. Christian wasn't even supposed to be in the lineup today. Winds up going five for five. Uh, how cool is that? He's a good job, man, and, and he's a good player. Um, he, he runs into trouble sometimes. He, he swings a lot, you know, and uh, we understand that. Uh, we don't want to take the aggressiveness of, of, of the approach, but at the same time, he can put it at bat together. And that's something I've been talking to him throughout the days. You know, like, you, you can't take pitches because you're good. You know, when you get into counts, you, you put the ball in play, you hit the ball hard. And, uh, you know, the double down the line, that was, you know, kind of like a humble at bat. After a homer, uh, he didn't get too greedy. He stayed with the pitch, went the other way, and, um, you know, the game rewarded him. How's Reyes? Uh, he was sore. He was sore in the beginning, so we're just waiting day to day, and um, we'll see what happens. Did he do something else? Uh, he felt it in, in uh, uh, when we were taking grounders, and it got worse after that. So uh, we decided not to play him, obviously, and you know he's day to day. Given this last whatever it's been six eight days, what do you, how do you guys kind of move forward with Corey? I mean, you saw. It. Uh, I mean, we'll see what happens. You know, we'll keep talking. Uh, he threw the ball well, and one one thing about it, when he gets rest, and that first inning is a good one. You know, and obviously, you know, we need more from him. But I do believe stuff-wise, the first inning was good. So, you know, it's about recovery and the role and all that stuff. So uh, we're just going to keep grinding with him. You have Hamilton on standby. I think he get pulled from the game tonight. Uh, that's what they said, you know. I mean, and I think Valdi uh, too. Uh, so, you know, we just have to wait, wait and see what happens. Um, it had been a while since you'd seen Yoshida drive a ball like that. Um, how you know, how good is it to get a reminder of the power? Well, it's good. I mean, he, he will hit for power. We know that. And that was a, a, a perfect swing. Uh, down in the zone, threw it, uh, extension, and he crushed that one. So uh, it's good to see that. I, I do believe, you know, with the weather getting better, that's going to happen. Uh, he's not feeling great at the plate, but then he's aligned right to left field. Then he hit that ball out of the ballpark. Just a reminder of, like, yeah, he's a good hitter. Yeah, not feeling good at the plate and then going three for five. That's how good Masataki Yoshida is. And he hit a home run that Cora just mentioned there as part of a three for five effort with three RBIs. Red Sox win it 10 to four. By the way, he didn't just hit that home run. He blasted nah, it was that 447 run. feet. And, and his teammates were looking at the tablet in amazement about what he did. It was a shot uh, off the bat of Masataki Yoshida, who is a guy that is right now a contender for being an all-star. But again, the Red Sox win 10 to four. You just heard Cora talk about uh, also Pablo Reyes, who was scratched before today's game with right with a right abdominal strain. They're saying it's day to day. That's what Cora just said there, and he added that he felt something when he was taking ground balls. And again, he ends up getting uh, pulled from the starting lineup. Christian Arroyo gets thrusted in. Ends up going five for five, so yeah, that's baseball. Do so we to, say thank you, Pablo Reyes? Well, <laughs> the only thing is now that's going to hurt their middle infield depth more. And he did say David Hamilton, who's been uh, in a lot of ways exciting at the AAA level, like from a stolen base standpoint, Joe, he, he's he's pretty fun to watch. There's three separate options that they really have, uh, you know, in terms of guys they could they could bring up. And Manuel Valdez and, and David Hamilton, obviously, are, are the two that. Uh, you know, that have been the, the guys that you could elevate. Also, Bobby Dahlbeck is somebody that you could entertain, you know, as well for the Red Sox with how well he's swinging. He, he just hit another home run tonight uh, for the Sox. But again, Red Sox win it 10-4 to over the Minnesota Twins. We are going to pause for a short break. Uh, when we come back, we'll have a lot more to get to. Red Sox review taking you all the way up to midnight. Again, they beat the Minnesota Twins by a score of 10-4. to We'll be back right after this on WEI. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is Red Sox Review on WEEI. 2-2 is crushed to left field. This thing is smoked. It's way back and it is gone! The second home run of the inning for the Red Sox. Yo-Yo goes yard, and it's 2-0 Boston. About an hour ago, he's just sitting in his locker, not thinking he's playing. <laughs> right? Then he gets a little ambushed. He comes into this way, go 0 for 11. Gets a little broken bat knock, and now he hits a bomb. And guy's now starting to time up this 91 from Oberg. It's difficult seeing 6-9 come at you. It takes a while to line it up. But the last, this fourth inning here, finally maybe getting better looks at this guy. That was a bomb. That was a rock. Ooh. And that was the highlight from tonight's Nissan Red Sox postgame show and your quest for savings at the Nissan Thrill of the Drive sales event. Shop your local Nissan store or NissanUSA.com today. And how about Christian Arroyo's night? As you just heard from Will Fleming and Lou Merloni, he was not supposed to be in the starting lineup initially, but then Pablo Reyes gets scratched, he gets thrusted in, and then he posts a 5-for-5 night. His first ever five-hit performance in the major leagues and the Red Sox end up beating the Minnesota Twins 10 to 4. They've won 6 consecutive games and over that span they have scored 50 runs. The Red Sox offense is alive as it was at the beginning of the year. They had a little bit of a lull in the middle stretch, but again, they are swinging the bats well. They have now banged out 25 hits over two games in this four-game set at Minnesota, and they are now four games above 500 at 39 and 35. Joe Wild with you here on Red Sox Review. Behind the glass, we have Brian Frizoco, Joe Braverman. The number to call in, 617-779-7937. Again, 617-779-7937. You can also text us. At 37937, we're going to take you all the way up to midnight, get you up to date on all of the latest Red Sox news. But let's go to the phones now. Wally and Fall River. Wally, as I always say, great to chat with you after a victory. It's always great to chat with you, but even better after a Red Sox win. Uh, definitely, Joe. Uh, right now, the Red Sox have that uh, foot on the gas pedal, and I don't want them to ease up. This could be a nice 6 1 road trip. But uh, you have to give Cora credit. He's piecing together whoever, everybody's chipping in. It's not just one guy. Uh, you're getting the lead. You're adding on runs. You're getting decent starting pitching. Uh, the light bulb seems to have gone on again, and a lot of the Red Sox hitters, they seem to not, you know, they're making better contact. They're, you know, moving, staying out of double plays, not making errors. But uh, we're going to see what happens. Uh, it's up to Hein Bloom. Now, this team is maybe one or two games out of the uh, wild card at the trading deadline. He's going to have to do something. Otherwise, you know, the moral, morale on this team will not be good. But uh, as, as far as time bloom, you're going to have a lot of teams looking for uh, help at the deadline because a lot of them feel that these Cinderella teams, Arizona, Miami, and a few others, I mean, uh, you, you look at the big boys like the Yankees, the Padres, and the Mets, they're all struggling right now. But it's going to be interesting to see what he does at the deadline. But uh, one other thing, Joe, uh, the Chicago, uh, Chicago White Sox, I heard that they're going to be unloading the players. A lot of veterans are unhappy there. Uh, I was thinking about Tim Anderson. What's our chances of getting him to play short? Well, that's a great question, Wally, and we appreciate the call as always. So I actually believe Tim Anderson just got hurt. I know they had to remove him from a game recently. Uh, you know, I, I, he missed a couple starts. I, I'm just reading a, a thing here. He's out of the lineup. He had a shoulder injury. The reason I know that is because it was some some big moment in on the weekend where Zach Remillard, this 29 year old rookie, took his place. Ended up going four for four in the game. In the White Sox, ended up winning. He's had a he's had a down year, Tim Anderson. So I don't know if that's the guy that Heim Bloom would necessarily want to profile. Now, Tim Anderson's personality, there's a lot to bring there. I, I think it's fun, the bat flipping, all that stuff. But just from a performance standpoint, this year he's really struggled. He's down to 250 on the season. His OPS is actually below. 
below 600, and he's heavily heavily reliant upon you know BABIP, and that's something that's sort of driven his career. Now he's a great player. He's had some really great seasons with the White Sox. You know, a couple of uh, four plus win seasons, and we know how badly. The Red Sox need middle infield depth. With Pablo Reyes getting scratched, he's now day-to-day, but they took out Enmanuel Valdez and David Hamilton in the game in AAA today just in case they need them uh, as middle infield depth uh, coming up here if Reyes is going to be out for an extended period of time. On top of that, Pablo Reyes is not an everyday player. Alex Cora has even admitted that on the record that Pablo Reyes is not that, but he, you know, to his credit, he has been a uh, he's, he's, he's performed well in the role that he has been given, you know, for the Red Sox uh, so far this year. I just think with Tim Anderson, you know, you're bringing in somebody to take over that position that you're ultimately trying to get Marcelo Meyer to take over. Uh, and and that's and that's obviously the long-term projection there. I, I'm also curious what you'd have to give up to try to get somebody like Tim Anderson to play shortstop. And that's the thing you always have to remember, right? Because in a lot of ways, the point of the season, you know, we've talked about it a lot. I, I think it, from an optimistic standpoint, which you'd want for the Red Sox, realistically is to sneak into the wild card or get one of those three spots, right? But you're, you're building for the future here. You've now built yourself a top 10 farm system with some prospects that, that can ultimately pay off at the end. Myers exa- is one of those guys, and he's at that premium spotted shortstop. So I'm all for contending this year. But again, you're, you're trying to think long term. And to get somebody like Tim Anderson, you have to give something up that is valuable. And again, the point of using a year like this to set yourself up moving forward is to build up the farm system. Jody, have any yeah, thoughts? Yeah, Tim, Tim Anderson's 29, and he's got a club option for next year. And then after that, he's an unrestricted free agent. So really, if you were going to acquire him, you would be acquiring him to be your long-term shortstop. Yeah, and and again, that's that's not where the Red Sox stand at this point. They could use more depth up there. You know, now that you've made this decision with Xander Bogarts, obviously we all wanted to see him back in a Red Sox uniform, not at the price that the Padres pay, paid 11 years, $280 million. That's ridiculous, but obviously, you know, the prevailing thought in town was we want to have him back. And again, not at that price, but they could have gotten him at a different price. That didn't end up happening. Okay, now the plan moving forward, you know, they, they, they're going to bring up Meyer. Obviously, next year's the plan there, but... In the meantime, you obviously have to solidify that spot, and and they're in a real uh, you know tenuous position here because if if Reyes is going to be out for a little bit of time, then you have to bring somebody up either from AAA like Enmanuel Valdez to play second base, and then you have to move KK back to shortstop, which I don't think anybody wants to see. Or you bring somebody up like David Hamilton to take over that spot. Yeah, wh- plus plus you got the imminent return of Trevor Story as right. well. Right, and he's supposed to ta- ultimately take over that spot, or at least for the time being before Meyer. I mean, it's still a lot to be figured out, right? With Story at shortstop and then Meyer, obviously, that's that's the prevailing thought that he'll take over eventually, but we'll obviously see how it shakes out. But Story is very, very much, you know, straight-line vision of when I come back, I'm playing shortstop. So that's something to obviously keep in mind. I just did want to mention a little note about the Worcester game tonight. So Valdez and David Hamilton got taken out of the game after this Reyes news you know, unfolded in case somebody was going to be needed from AAA. Now, the, the caveat with Valdez is he's actually dealing with soreness and swelling in his hand. And uh, Chad Tracy, the Woosox manager after the game, said he was removed because his hand was bothering him and then was told to lift Hamilton in case he's needed uh, but hasn't been informed of a call-up at this point. This was reported on by Katie Morrison O'Day of Mass Live. Again, the number to call in here is 617-779-7937 here on Red Sox Review. We're going to take you all the way up to midnight. Let's go back to the phones, and Jonathan in Brookline wants to chime in about the offense. Jonathan, how you doing? Hi, Joe. I love the show. So to fully assess the Red Sox offense in 2023, I wanted to take you back through really the full story of this year's Red Sox offense. So between the start of the season and May 21st, the Red Sox offense took off. They were fourth in runs, first in doubles, and fourth in OPS. Now, in that middle part of the season, between May 21st and just June 14th, they really hit a major slump. They were 27th in runs, 24th in doubles, 29th in homers, and 24th in the amount of barrels they were getting. But then in this six-game win streak after June 24th, they are first in runs, first in doubles, second in batting average, and second OPS. 
So then, once you look at the whole season, they're sixth in runs, first in doubles, fourth in batting average, and seventh in OPS. So I really liked what Lou said in the postgame when he said that everyone judges the Red Sox offense based on one stretch. But when I looked at all the overall numbers, it shows that they've really been one of the best and most productive offenses in all of baseball. Yeah, and it's a great call, Jonathan, and you hit on a lot of great numbers. If you've listened to my postgame shows, I, I've taken that, that May 21st date as a starting point to kick off the Red Sox offensive woes for you know, a little, you know, short amount of time. It, they were 7-15 and 15 over a stretch in which they were not hitting the ball, and then now they've... You know, they, they've climbed out of that. They've won six consecutive games. And again, as Jonathan hit on the numbers, here were the numbers coming into tonight overall offensively. Seventh in OPS, sixth in runs, fifth in hits, first in doubles. They were 20th in home runs, although they smacked three tonight. Yoshida getting one of them, Arroyo and Duvall. And great to see Adam Duvall hit a home run, to see him you know, get himself out of uh, this this opening stretch off the injured list. I think we all expected a little bit of rust and uh, good to see him go deep tonight. But they're also fourth in average, as Jonathan mentioned, fourth in on-base percentage, seventh in slugging. It's a great offensive group. They had a stretch where they really did struggle. Uh, One key thing about that was that they were struggling to hit with runners in scoring position. That's changed recently uh, over their last six games, 26 for 69 now uh, over that stretch, 377 average. And and so they're they're swinging it really well again, which is uh which is really great to see. Now the stretch before that, they had a three and eight stretch in which they went fifteen for ninety nine. So they're hitting one fifty two, and they weren't winning games. See, that's where I would disagree with Jonathan. Like, there's one thing to look at numbers, but then you also have to look at the eye test. And when this team is only putting up two runs and three runs, like on consecutive days, you have to realize maybe this isn't one of the best offenses in baseball. Well, I think they were, through 35 games, they were a top-five offense. But then with what happened after that, I think they went to top-10. And now, I'm not saying they're back to top-five, but they're kind of close to it now with how they've performed. I mean, Joe, 50 runs over six games is 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 pretty awesome. Oh, no, don't get me wrong. It's it's impressive. The Are turnaround. you not a fan of 50 runs over six games? I am very impressed with that. I'm just talking from, you know, what are they? 39 and 35. So that's 74 games. You can't tell me in 74 games this is one of the best offenses in baseball. I think if you're going to say top three, no. Top five, probably not. Top 10? I'd say so. I think the numbers do bear it out. And again, it, 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 what, it, you talk about the eye test, Joe. At one, the eye test was telling us when they were struggling, when they went 7 for 15 over a 22-game stretch, they just couldn't get the big hit a lot of times. They were getting guys on base. One thing this team has done all year is, is not struck out. Their, 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 their strikeout percentage has been awesome all year long. Their walk rate actually increased, too. They just couldn't get the big hit. And that was what was killing them for such a long period of time here where their record dropped back below 500. But now, thanks to six consecutive wins, here we are now, 39-35 in the season. And again, they're back in the wild card race, still a game and a half back because every team in front of them held serve. Baltimore, who's got the top wild card spot, won. Yankees won, Houston won, Toronto won. The only team that hasn't won uh, is the Angels, but they're still playing. Uh, their game against the Dodgers right now. We still have a lot more to get to in the program. We'll we'll still hit on the offense. Uh, we'll talk about Tanner Houck, too, give you an injury update there, and then also chat more about the middle infield depth with the Red Sox in case Pablo Reyes does miss time. But right now, day-to-day with a right abdominal strain. But the Red Sox win 10-4. to Christian Arroyo, the big hero, 5-for-5 five five night. And there's a lot more to get you updated on in the sports scene. We're going to go to Brian Frizoco now with What's Trending on WEEI. Now, here's What's Trending on WEEI. Your Boston Red Sox won their sixth straight game tonight against the Minnesota Twins, 10-4, to behind Christian Arroyo's 5-for-5 night, including four RBIs. Cutter Crawford gets the win with five innings pitched. Red Sox are back at it tomorrow night in Minnesota. Will Fleming and Lou Maloney have the call at 7.40 on the Shaw's and Star Market, WEI, Red Sox Radio Network. Shaw's perfecting the art of fresh. 
Garrett Whitlock is set to start for the Red Sox tomorrow night against Sonny Gray for the Twins. Rich Keefe will have the Mass Mutual pregame show right here at 640. Mass Mutual Insurance Planning Investments. Patriots cornerback Jack Jones pled guilty to nine weapon charges today. Jones was arrested on Friday evening at Logan Airport. Two guns were found in his luggage. His agent was quoted as saying, quote, in no intention of bringing any guns onto an airport that day. Jones himself did not make a statement today and posted a $30,000 bail. And Miami Dolphins receiver Tyreek Hill is under investigation regarding an incident over the weekend. According to the report, Hill got into a disagreement with an employee at a marina led to Hill striking the employee. The alleged victim does not want to press charges as of now. I'm Brian Frizzoco, and that's what's trending. Everything Boston Red Sox. This is Red Sox Review on WEEI. One, one, crushed deep to center field. Back on it is Castro at the warning track. At the wall, gone! Adam Duvall launches his first home run since coming back off the injured list. It's a big fly to straightaway center field, and the Red Sox strike first. They lead it one to nothing. Wow, what a good sign. We got to get this guy swinging it again. It's taken a while. It hasn't really looked the same since he's come back. He's still getting on base here recently, but that power stroke. They really carried the team the first eight, nine games. You're looking for that right-handed pop, and he unloads here on this breaking ball, this curveball he just hung. Dead center. That's a big, strong man, Duvall. Remember that guy, Adam Duvall, and what he looked like at the beginning of the year? If you remember, at the start of the season, 15 for 33, four doubles, a triple, and four home runs before... He ended up hitting the injured list with a distal radius fracture in his left wrist. Uh, He has since come back, and at that point, before that home run, he ended up hitting in the top of the fourth inning to break a scoreless tie. He was 5-for-30 coming off the injured list, but he hits a shot 426 feet, and it was 108 off the bat. Awesome sign to see from Adam Duvall as the Red Sox beat up on the Minnesota Twins by a score of 10-4 to tonight. The Red Sox have won six consecutive games, and they've outscored opponents 50-18 to in this stretch. They've also scored 19 runs over the first two games against the Minnesota Twins in this four-game set. Joe Weil with you here on Red Sox Review. We're going to take you all the way up to midnight, 617-779-7937. Again, 617 779 7937. Brian Frizoko, Joe Braverman behind the glass. Let's go to the phone. Let's go to Sean in Worcester. Sean, you're on Red Sox Review. Hey, what's up? What's going on, Sean? I have a question. Is, there, is Raphael Devis injured or is the contract extension that he signed uh, bothering him? you know, kind of putting pressure on him to to uh, perform because he, he's hitting 238. He should be hitting well over 300. Well, uh, Sean, I'm going to argue that it's neither of those two things and that he has been unlucky. And uh, we, we do... Go ahead. You don't think there's any kind of injury? I don't think there's an injury, uh, and and uh, I I don't know if the contract necessarily is is weighing on him. And we do appreciate the call. If you want to chime into the conversation, six one seven 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 nine seven nine three seven. Just to speak on the numbers that Sean brought up, uh, Devers does go zero for four tonight. So the batting line for the season two thirty eight three zero four four eighty four. So two thirty eight average. 304 on base percentage, 484 slugging percentage. I, I, I'd argue more than anything, he's been a little bit unlucky, and I'll explain why in a moment. I, I do think that it, it's not the contract, I think, that weighs on him. I do think at times the 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 pieces around him maybe just not having the protection and him being the the true landmine of the lineup on a day-to-day basis plays a role in that. Now, we talked about it before in the previous segment. This is a top-10 offense in Major League Baseball, but it doesn't have the star power necessarily that you'd see in those other lineups. And that's what makes the Red Sox, just as an offense, so unique is that they've ha- they have a lot of good pieces, but... Rafi Devers is the star of the lineup, even if he hasn't performed to that capability. And and just to hit on again why I think he's been unlucky, you do uh, you are able to look at baseball savant, and at least it can tell you part of the story in terms of how hard he's hitting the ball, 
and you know how he's doing it consistently. And I don't want to fully rely on expected slugging percentage or hard hit percentage or exit velocity, but I do think it tells part of the story. And the reality is, his expected slugging is at is at five forty seven, uh, and then a hard hit percentage it's it's at fifty three percent. You you could argue that he's just been a little unlucky. And then on top of that, I, I think just as a as a critique, obviously somebody who's has played major league baseball, I, I'm not saying he. Uh, I, I'm 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 shaming him for not doing this. I just think sometimes he's a little over aggressive. That's part of the profile, right, for Rafi Devers, is that he's just an over aggressive hitter. But I do think he could be a little bit more selective. And again, if you're going to be the guy that's extended for a 300 plus million dollar contract, you need to have an on base percentage that doesn't just hover at 300. As yeah, it does he's, for he's, Rafi. he's too focused on the power game. You know how it's like the new age players are like strike out or throw, or hit home runs. Like he's got to learn that it's like the singles and the doubles will will come if you just shorten your swing and not put all your muscle and your power into it. Yeah, I just think that he's a little over aggressive at times. And maybe even saying a little is 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 being kind about it, but that's what makes this guy special is that he's a bad ball hitter, but you heard Lou and Will talk about it that just because he is that doesn't mean that he shouldn't that he should expand the zone as often as he does you know because well, what also helps is that now that Duval has hit his home run and the offense is back to where it was you'd think like he could probably relax a little bit more yeah i, I and i and i think that the, the rest of the lineup is picking up the slack yoshida's been awesome we've talked about it time and time again he has another three hit night he hits a bomb 447 feet verdugo now has an 11 game hitting streak and, and we've talked about the all-star thing that those two guys are really your leading all-star type players it this year. It should be Verdugo. I'm still mad that he's not even on the ballot. Well, and that could be to a larger discussion about Red Sox star power here in 2023. I'm not surprised he's not like in the top six in terms of fan vote. Oh, fan voting is garbage everywhere. Yeah. It, I, I just hope the managers and like all the media and like whoever selects like the reserves and stuff like that recognize like Verdugo's hitting 300. He's been probably the best hitter for the Sox all year long. So, like, if you're looking for another representative, that should be number one on the list. Yeah, he's how, how many fans outside of Boston know Alex Verdugo, though? Well, that's a good question. Yeah, L.A. does. L.A. does. So you got two major markets who know him. But outside of that, I mean, he's not exactly a na- household name. Well, and you got to think of the fan voting for, like, All-Stars, too, and all the names ahead of guys like you know, Alex Verdugo that people by and large think about, especially in the American league, you know, the American league in general, um, you know, just for star power itself, Aaron judge, obviously I know he's hurt, but Aaron judge is a guy, uh, Mike Trout, obviously is another top of the mind. You think of Julio Rodriguez, even though he hasn't been necessarily great this year. Again, another guy that just has a ton of star power that you bring to the table. So I'm not surprised by that, but again, I I think from a reserve standpoint, he, if you're going to pick somebody from the Sox, it's probably him. I, I Rob Bradford and I had a discussion about this a couple weeks back between him and Masataki Yoshida. Uh, I, I think it'd be great if both of those guys got in, but I, I think if you're going to pick somebody now as the best player, baseball reference war, fan graphs war, you, Alex Verdugo is the best player on the Red Sox. He's he's hit all year long. He hasn't struck out a ton. And then defensively, plus nine outs above average. I mean, he's been awesome. Let's go back to the phones. Again, the number to call in, 617-779-7937 here on Red Sox Review. After a 10-4 to Red Sox victory over the Minnesota Twins, we're going to go out of state to Fred in Maryland. Fred, you're on Red Sox Review. How are you? Doing great. How are you doing? I'm all right for a 92-year-old. Well, we're glad to have you on the program. A little bit of an age discrepancy between us, but... You don't discriminate. I I have some thoughts about the alignment. This is sort of an unusual situation. The Red Sox are a last-place team playing a first-place team that has the worst record. Yeah, that's the truth, right? So if you look at the American League Central, they don't have any team above 500. I mean, it, it's it's a little crazy. And, and then on top of that, it's been the way for a lot. Why don't they have an alignment? with 15 American League teams and 15 National League teams, and the teams with the best records go to the playoffs. It's In a, other words, it's a fair... They, 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 they play each other 11 times, and one team they play eight times. So you want it to so, be like the NBA, where they have it just by a conference, 
right? So they they had a Eastern Conference, Western Conference. Is that would that be something that you prefer? Yeah, either that or all American League teams are in one division and all National League is in another. What difference does it make? They play each other. If they played each other 11 times each, that's 140-some games and 150-some, and then you need a team you play eight times, and that'll give you the 162 games. So you're playing each team 11 times in your own league. Well, it's cert- I mean, listen, le- you look at the AL Central, and Fred, we do appreciate the call. Feel free to chime in anytime, 617-779-7937. You know, with the AL Central being as bad as it is, I, I understand calls like that. And also, in Fred's time, to be fair, you know, there used to be a case where it was two teams from each league competing for uh, the pennant. And then actually even before then... Yeah, there, Fred, was, a, there, was, a there was a time was, where it was, it was like just four teams. It was just, it, no, it was just who had the best record at the end of the season on in each league ended up playing in the World Series. So there were, at one point, there wasn't even a championship series. So it went from, you know best record in each league meeting in the world series then it was two teams then it was uh four on each side right because you had three division winners wild card now we have what it has now and of course even between that there was five right so we've kind of slowly i i do just from a by i just want to spit out a baseball thought here the the season's so long that this to me needs to be the maximum amount of teams that make it into the playoffs six on each side is enough that's my thoughts honestly i was fine with it not adding the extra wild card team. I like the single wild card game and then going straight into the playoffs. Like I didn't think you had to add an extra team in each league. They got rid of the best two nights in baseball. Those one one game wild cards in the AL and NL, I thought were the two best nights in baseball aside from any potential game sevens. Like everybody tuned into those. Those things were awesome. Which to me was a good lesson in, in not being so hesitant to change because I, I think when they first unveiled that idea, the one game wild card I was like, ugh, this is this baseball? And then you watch it and like, okay, this is absolutely thrilling. Right? It's better than like the NBA where like two-thirds of the league makes the playoffs, and then the NFL where more than half makes the playoffs. Like this is this it was a select group, but now you're just adding more and more. And again, I, I think at this point, with how long the season is, if we're gonna keep it 162 games, I don't want to continue to reward to Joe your point about the NBA, you know. Uh, rewarding teams that don't have really good seasons. They make the playoffs somehow. You know, to me, six is enough on each side. Now, to now to be fair, and to Fred's point, um, I was talking with Cooper on Red Sox Review yesterday, and he said that with the expanded schedule and the standings being the way they are, it helps the Red Sox because their right. path towards that wild card is easier because you don't have to play the Rays or the Orioles as, as much. And you can go after the really bad teams that you feel like this team can win. And again, just to reset the scene here, yeah, Red Sox win 10-4. There's still a game and a half back of the Yankees for the third wild card because the Yankees won today. Brian, sorry, did I cut you off? Did you have a point? Oh, you guys said it all. Perfectly, all right. actually. And so I, I I like the way the divisions are stacked up. I, I, to, I understand somebody like Fred, who's seen the game differently throughout his lifetime, wanting it to just be American League, National League, set it up that way. I, I, maybe it's just because it's the way it's been for my lifetime. I, I like the American League East and then the Central and then the West and then obviously the wild, wild card standpoint part of it as well. I, I like the way it's set up. I want it to stay that way. Uh, but if you have any baseball thoughts like that, and of course if you want to chime in after the Red Sox win tonight, 617-779-7937. The number to call in, 617-779-7937. Seven nine three seven. Let's go back to the phones. David in Florida wants to chime in. David, you're on Red Sox Review. Hello, David. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm down here and absolutely pouring down there in South Florida. David, your connection, your connection. We're gonna have to just let you go because the connection right now is not good. If if you find a better spot, feel free to call. Is he in the middle of the ocean? Where was he? Yeah, I I gave him, I gave him a couple seconds because sometimes you know you you call from a certain point and it's a little, you know, a little fuzzy. He did, he did on the description, which we can get into. Is he said Heimbloom needs to make a move at the deadline? Does he? I feel like he does. I think he needs another starter just for insurance. Now, from okay, and when I asked that question, right, 
I, I obviously think this team needs to, you know, is it, there's a lot of room for improvement. So it's not saying that it's a full-blown contender. Let's start with this. Would you be a buyer or a seller? I don't know. I think we need more time. I think we need more games to, to, to figure that out. And that's that's the point I'm making. And that's what I was saying earlier to Wally because as much – I think if they can find a way to get a starter without giving up too much, that would be one big thing right now because Tanner Houck's out for a significant amount of time. Obviously, Chris Sale is on the shelf. And if you missed the Tanner Houck news, I'll just update you on it right now. So the Red Sox announced today that he'll undergo surgery to put a plate in his cheek. Uh, but Alex Cora said Houck is definitely expected back this year. Just no known timetable for the moment. Is he going to come back with like a softball mask like softball players do? Well, that, it, that'd be a first time. So I believe. Or a Jalen Brown mask? I believe Chris Cotillo of Mass Live asked that question to Alex Cora. Like, could he pitch with a mask? And, and Alex Cora said, I don't know. So to, to our point, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's I guess I guess it's possible. It would be kind of cool. It would I mean it would especially with somebody like Tanner and his stuff on the mound. Uh you know, and I he hasn't been perfect as a starter, but he's still nasty on the mound with what he can deliver. It's a big blow for the Sox cuz especially for for how he's a guy that is a part of the long-term future here for the Sox. Whether it's as a starter or a reliever, we still don't know the long-term path there, but, but that drives the home the point of getting another starter because remember what happened last year Bloom banked on Chris Sale returning from injury and being that guy. And then he was gone, and then he didn't do anything else. So you can't go down that same road two years in a row. I think if you can get somebody under control for a little bit of time, that would be worth going after, right? But I, again, where you are, do you want to sell off a piece of your farm system you're trying to build this sustainable run for when you can maybe sneak into the third wildcard spot? It's a fascinating question. I just think we need more... We need more time to figure out if this is a team. If they rattle off six more consecutive wins, then I'm all for being a buyer. So, Joe, at the trade deadline, what do they have to be in the race for you to say, yeah, they should be a buyer? One game, two game, three games out? Like, how far are you willing to go to say, yep, if they're, you know, what's what's the line of demarcation for you? I think that the line is not even how many games out. I, well, that's a part of it, right? I, I think maybe one or two out. But I also think if if the other teams are winning, too, and you're keeping pace with them, then that might be a scenario in which you, you invest in it. But again, you're 39 and 35. Listen, the Red Sox have played great recently. They're 50, they've outscored teams 50 to 18 over the last six games. Offense is alive again, back to what we saw at the beginning of the year. Uh, but again, in terms of selling off a piece of your farm to add to a team that could maybe make a wild card, does that make sense? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I want to see more from this team to then make that investment emotionally, and them adding a team uh, at the trade deadline. Let's go back to the phones. Dan in New Hampshire, he wants to chat about Corey Kluber, who had a uh, historic outing, first career save, but again, not looking so good. Dan, you're on Red Sox Review. Good evening. Just wondering why we still have Kluber. He can't start. He really can't relieve. And I understand the home runs didn't mean a whole heck of a lot, but he's given up 17 home runs now this year. Quite too many for what I can see. Yeah, Dan, I completely agree, and, and thanks for chiming in. If you want to grab his line, 617-779-7937. Talking about moves to, to add pitching, this guy not being good at all has killed the Red Sox. Now, people make the joke about him being the opening day starter. I think that was more like, you know, ceremonial rather than this is the state of the Red Sox rotation. He's just a, he's a veteran He's, he's pitched there before, two-time Cy Young Award winner. But just to give you the updated numbers after Kluber's outing, and if you missed it, he went three innings, five hits, four runs, one walk, two strikeouts. He gave up three home runs. Here's his numbers this year. 55 innings pitched, strikeouts per nine, 6.8, walks per nine, 3.4, home runs per nine, 2.8. 2.8 homers per nine innings. Are you kidding me? And then, you know what's scary is that now without gone. He's probably going to have to be the fifth starter because you're you're not taking Nick Pavetta out of the bullpen. Well, Pavetta's pitched really good in the pen, and just to finish the the the, the overall numbers for Kluber. So get this: seven point oh four ERA at this point is FIP seven point one three. That's fielding independent pitching. Uh, you know, again, that takes out some of the the luck that can come in with things should that are. Should we just continue to remind people that Heim Bloom chose him over Michael Waka and Nathan Evaldi? And <sighs> should we just do that? Every day until he's off the roster. He just 
He he hasn't contributed anything from a pitching standpoint. He's, he had like one good start against the Orioles, but you have him in the pen. At least tonight he eats up some innings so you don't have to use other guys. But even at the end, Joe Jakes was getting warmed up just in case they needed him, in case it got out of hand. He's not looking good, and I think Dan has a fair point to bring it up. Why is he on the roster? We'll, we'll see if that uh, remains the case. You know, you, we keep talking about if the, if the Sox are truly a contending team. I, I think if they are, he won't be on the roster anymore. But for the time being, he still is. Even Alex Cora in the postgame was sort of, you know, he's like, hey, we'll see what, what it, where it goes from here. He did like what he saw in the first inning for Kluber tonight where he did toss a scoreless inning. Uh, it faced the minimum, but then the next two innings gives up a two-run home run to Byron Buxton, and then uh, the inning after that uh, gives up back-to-back home runs. Uh, Royce Lewis, Max Kepler. Again, it's all part of a Red Sox win, 10-4. to And for Kluber, again, I just like to, to mention this because it's funny. It's his first career save, and with the save rule, if you toss three innings to end the game, you get, you get a save. So despite a three-inning, five-hit, four-run effort, he ends up picking his up his so first biggest crusade. contribution he's made so far. Not great. <laughs> not leave, it, leave it to us to make it negative on a ten to four win. I, I know. There's a lot to like, but uh, again, if you want to chime in six one seven 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 nine seven nine three seven, that's the way to do it. And if you want to uh, chime in via text three seven nine three seven is. Uh, the way to chime in as well. Still have a little bit more to get to here on Red Sox Review. Uh, we'll talk about the middle infield situation for the Sox, and uh, we'll get to your call still if you want to chime in as well. Again, 617-779-7937. This is Joe Weil and Red Sox Review. Sox beat the Twins 10-4 to tonight as they have picked up two consecutive wins against the Twins, six in a row. They're rolling back with more of, the Red, so- of Red Sox Review right after this on WEI. From the Rubenstein Law Studios, 1-800-BOS-LEGAL. This is WEEI, New England's sports original. Everything Boston Red Sox. This is Red Sox Review on WEEI. All the crazy things the Red Sox did tonight made some good memories. They beat the Twins 10 to 4. They bang out 15 hits in this one and it was a memorable night for Christian Arroyo. He goes 5 for 5, 4 RBIs. He was not in the starting lineup initially. Uh he was uh Pablo Reyes was scratched before tonight's game with a right abdominal strain. Alex Cora after the game saying it was dated it's day to day here for Reyes. Uh, but we do have some breaking news that comes from Chris Cotillo of Mass Live. Uh, he says that David Hamilton is joining the Red Sox in Minnesota tomorrow per multiple sources in case Pablo Reyes has to go to the IL. It's still to be determined. Unclear if Hamilton will be active, but he's coming. And that's noteworthy. David Hamilton has never played in the majors before. So if he does end up playing with the Sox in this go around, it'll be the first time in the bigs. And uh, he is he was a part of the return that the Red Sox got in the Hunter Renfro deal with the Milwaukee Brewers. He was one of the pieces. He was the one that wasn't paid attention to. People were more focused on JBJ. Yes. Alex Benellis, another one of those guys, too. One of the prospects. He's uh, with double A Portland right now. But uh, again, uh, it'll be uh, Hamilton's a guy that's actually pretty exciting. A lot of stolen bases with Triple A Worcester plays some good defense. Yeah, so, we were talking during the break. Like it's a nice little audition call up if it ends up being the case. But he's going to be in Minnesota uh, again. Just yeah, to- we we talked during the break. I w- we both said that like they're probably going to trot out Reyes for like warm ups before the game, and if he doesn't look good, they'll probably throw him on the IL and then put Hamilton in that spot. Yeah, and again, Chris Cotillo, again, the, the the report here, joining the Red Sox in Minnesota per multiple sources in case Pablo Reyes has to go to the injured list. Uh, so unclear if he's going to be active, but he is going to Minnesota. Joe Wild with you. You just heard from Joe Braverman, Brian Frizoka also behind the glass. You're at WEI, Red Sox Review. Sox beat the Twins 10-4. to Let's go back to the phones one final time. David in North Providence wants to chime in. David, you're in Red Sox Review. Yeah, I are doing tonight. I just want to run this by you, see if you agree or disagree. If Michael Kopich is available from Chicago, would you take a shot and try to get him and uh, for a couple of prospects and see if 
that would be a good deal. You probably have control of them for two years. I'll, I'll hang up and listen. David, appreciate the call. Yeah, that's Michael Kopech, former Red Sox prospect. So uh, that's it, been an, that's been like I know it's still early, but that's been the name that's come up the most times. So and, and he was a part of the Chris Sale deal. For those who don't remember, he was one of the prospects that the Red Sox sent over to the White Sox in that deal. And it's funny because with Chris Sale, I'm going to go off on a tangent for a second and then answer the question. That that trade, as much as Chris Sale with the contract extension he has signed has disappointed and how little he's pitched, just think about that trade for a moment. The Red Sox got Chris Sale two elite seasons under his belt, 2017-2018, and of course in 2018, Red Sox win the championship. He gets the final out. He gives you a moment you can remember for the rest of your life. Your life, And you send over Yohan Mikado, who is a top prospect. He's not really panned out. Kopech... And, and this is what I want to just point out for a moment. Michael Kopech, as much promise as there is with him, he really hasn't put it together consistently. He was called up in 2018, and then he got hurt. He needed Tommy John surgery, then missed all of 2019. COVID season, he didn't want to pitch, which was his decision. And with how crazy the world was back then, you could understand it. Then he comes back in 2021. Four, 44 relief appearances, just four starts. Next time out, 25 starts in 2022. This year he's been pretty good. You know, 89 strikeouts and 78 innings. That's really solid, but uh, 39 walks in that span. His FIP, you know, again, fielding independent pitching, which can sometimes tell the story, 5.31. So, And then you look at that ERA of 3.92. He gives up a ton of home runs, 15 home runs. And again, I just don't know if that's the guy you want to ship off guys that you're high on to then get back when he really hasn't been that consistent on a on a regular basis in the major leagues. So do you guys have any thoughts on that? Well, so my thing with the, you know, adding things, and I'm just starting to think this because I felt this way about the Celtics at the deadline, and sorry, I'm crossing sports, but, you know, people wanted the Celtics to bring in this guy, that guy, and you're, you're throwing 100 names at me, and it's like, Okay, you can throw 100 names at me, you can throw whoever you want at me, but who are you willing to give up? That's what I look at the Red Sox. Like, okay, you can name this pitcher from Chicago or this catcher from wherever, and great, cool, you can throw a bunch of names at me, but who are the Red Sox actually willing to give up? That's what I feel like is the more interesting thing for me. Well, and with the White Sox, too, are they willing to give up a Michael Kopech when he's still cheap? I mean, he's making this year a little over $2 million. He's going to go to arbitration the next two years. I don't know if they want to give up on somebody like this, even though I have you know, my reservations about bringing somebody like him onto the Red Sox. I don't know if they're willing to give up on somebody this cheap at this moment when he's starting to actually start on a consistent basis. So uh, as much as we might want that, you'd have to give up a top-level guy to get somebody like that. I just don't know if that's uh, the, the guy you necessarily want to go to. I do appreciate the creativity, though, from... Uh, David, though, I, I like I like when people throw out ideas. It is fun to talk about. But again, uh, we'll, we'll see where it goes there. With, with I, I don't think Kopech is the guy they're going to be bringing in if they're going to bring anybody in. Fun show tonight after a fun game. Red Sox beat the Twins 10-4. Uh, and the Red Sox will continue their series tomorrow, 7.40 p.m. first pitch. The Mass Mutual Red Sox pregame show starting at 640 as Garrett Whitlock will take the hill looking for his third consecutive win. Back-to-back very strong outings against the Yankees and Rockies. He'll be opposite of Sonny Gray. And again, Mass Mutual Red Sox pregame show starting at 6.40 p.m. Fun offensive night. 15 hits, 10 runs. Christian Arroyo, 5 for 5 tonight. I want to thank my guys behind the glass, Joe Braverman, Brian Frizoko. I'm Joe Weil saying so long here on Red Sox Review on WEEI. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.